Thanks for listening in to the Calvary Podcast, coming to you from Miami, Florida. We're so glad you've joined us. We hope today's message will encourage you and remind you that God is with you and He's for you. Here's today's message. And uh, if you could get your Bibles out, we're going to be in 1 Peter uh, chapter 2, and we're going to be looking at verses 11 and 12. Two really good verses, I think, that can help us. And if you're taking notes, I've titled this preaching, Stranger Things. Stranger Things. Anybody, anybody finish season two? Don't spoil it. Don't spoil it for me. We still, we, I just got to finish this, the, second, the second two episodes. I have a life, okay? I can't just binge watch all the time, all right? I know, I, sh- I wanted to. I really wanted to. But I got two more episodes left, and I can't wait to finish it. And uh, here we are in First Peter. And he says this in verse 11. He says, friends, this world is not your home, so don't make yourselves cozy in it. Don't indulge your ego at the expense of your soul. Live an exemplary life among the natives so that your actions will refute their prejudice. Then they'll be won over to God's side and be there to join in in the celebration when he arrives. I love these two verses, and I believe what we can get out of it and what God wants to speak to us through it can be life-changing. So can we go ahead and pray and ask God to honor this time together. Lord Jesus, we just thank you for all that you've done so far today. We thank you for all the lives that were changed at 9 a.m. We know that you're moving in this church. God, I just pray that you would just, your spirit would be here today, that it would just flow through these scriptures that would be made alive in our hearts today, that we would leave here knowing that we're called for more, that we're born for more, that we're just, we're just not called to come on a Sunday and stay the same. We're called on our Monday and Tuesday to be a light in the world. So I just pray, Holy Spirit, for you to have your way in this teaching and have your way in this day. And everybody said, amen, amen. So right off the bat, Peter says some pretty, he, he says a pretty strange statement. He says, friends, this world is not your home, so don't get, don't get cozy in it. And if I could be honest, I think a lot of us can relate to this. I think we have some friends or some family members that get a little bit too cozy in places that aren't their homes. And uh, maybe you have some friends, you have some family members that they even have a key to your house and they always show up unattended. They show up just, they eat your stuff in the fridge, they go on your couch, they take your shoes off, they watch all your channels, they order movies that they shouldn't order. You're like, okay, dude, do you pay the bills around here? Like, you can't just go buy all these movies because I got to pay the bills. This is not your house. And I got to be honest because this is church and I got a confession to make. I'm that person. I'm that guy. And um, I just wanted to get off my chest early on and just be up front and just, you know, hey, I just, you know, it's church. You got to be, you got to be real. And uh, recently, uh, I I just realized, man, I haven't spent enough time with my abuela. And I was like, man, life can get busy and life can get hectic. And sometimes, you know, we got to make time to spend with our family. And like, I'm sounding so good right now. Like, I'm such a good grandson. Wow. But uh, it, it, it gets worse. It gets worse. And so I went to my abuela's house and she lives with my aunt. And my little cousin lived very well. And I went to the house, and I always, you know, give her a big hug. And, oh, well, I love you. So good to see you. How are you doing? This and that. It's great. And finally, we, we, we talk. We sit down for a little bit. And then all of a sudden, she goes into her room, and she watches TV, and we hang out. And then I just, you know, I'm like, you know what? I love coming here. Yes, to see my abuela. But my cousin has the best snacks in the entire world. So I go into the kitchen, and I open up the pantry. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to get the mac and cheese. I'm going to get the brownies. Oh, he's got Capri Suns. I'm going to take that. And I just start taking all his food. And my cousin is a sixth grader, and it's like, this is his snacks. And I'm the grown man just taking all his snacks. And, uh, you know, it's just he's got to learn that. He's got to take, you know, he can't take things for granted. And so I take, I eat all his food, and all of a sudden, I, I get on the couch, I turn on the TV, I got my brownies here, I got the Capri Suns right there, I got the mac and cheese ready to go, and I'm just like super comfortable, and I started realizing like, man, home is so good, I love it here. 
And it's like, I totally forgot because I got so comfortable that one, this isn't my house. And two, this is not my food. And what's wrong with me? All of a sudden, I was so comfortable that I had to get my wella's angry voice saying, Felix. She doesn't call me by Philip. She calls me Felix. I don't know if that's my Cuban name. It's just what she calls me. It's, it's Mom Felix. I'm Felix. And she calls me Felix. And I'm realizing, oh my gosh, what just, why do I have all this food? This is terrible. My cousin hates me now, probably, because he has no food for the rest of the week. And as I was thinking about that, as we get comfortable in a house that isn't ours, I think in our own Christian walk, we have to be careful. And I think this is what Peter's warning us, that we don't get comfortable living in a world that actually isn't our home. And I think so many times we get comfortable that we forget who we are in Christ and forget that, hey, this Peter's saying that if you're a follower of Jesus, if you accepted Christ into your heart, you are no longer a slave to this world. You're actually a stranger who is passing by here today, gone tomorrow. Your actual home is in heaven. And that's what Peter's trying to tell the church and tell us. And you have to understand the big idea of what I believe Peter's trying to say and what I hope that you grab this morning is this, that you are not called to fit in, you were chosen to stand out. Because your home is in heaven, you are no longer like everybody else having an earthly mindset. You now have a heavenly mindset because your new home is in heaven. But you're saying, well, Phil, if my home's in heaven, why do I have to change who I am on earth? Because there's, there's, a, there's a different aspect to it because just your home is in heaven. It doesn't mean you get to act uh, differently here on earth. And if you see in Philippians 3.20, uh, Paul tells us this, but our citizenship is in heaven and we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, our citizenship is in heaven. We are no longer citizens of this earth. Yes, in the, in the physical, yes, but in the spiritual, our home is in heaven. And you're saying, well, what does that change in my life? Well, it changes the priorities now. When you were an earthly citizen, you had earthly priorities. Now when you are a heavenly citizen, you have heavenly priorities. What that means is you are no longer tied down and focused on all temporary things. You are now focused on eternal things. You have to understand temporary, we can all agree, temporary is nice. I'm, I'm not an earth hater. I'm an earth lover. I love our planet. This is great. I love that we get to live here. I love that we have amazing beaches and we have amazing sports and we have all these things. We have amazing malls that we get to go shopping and spend shoes even though we're broke. But the back of our mind, something tells us, you know, you've been good this week. Just ball out. Go ahead. Just do it. I love that we get to do that. But we have to understand that temporary is temporary. That nothing we have on this earth will come with us to heaven. It would all get left behind except only one thing that is eternal, which is our souls. Our souls will be, they have eternal value. And when we understand we have an eternal home, it now changes us to live with an eternal heart. Looking at what really matters in life, that the temporary things aren't bad, but they're not the most important things. That our soul has value to Jesus and the souls of other people around this world that don't know him in our city, that don't know him. That is our focus, that there's souls out there walking around not knowing that they have a savior that loved them, that died on the cross for their sins. And they're walking around knowing that the hope of glory is right in their grasp if they would just open their hearts. And if they would just hear from somebody to tell them. And that's what it is. That's what it is to have a citizenship of heaven mindset. If we look at Colossians 3.1, it also tells us this. Since then... You have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on the things above where Christ is seated, seated at the right hand of God. So no longer are our priorities of, of earthly citizen. Now our position is changed. We are not positioned as earthly citizens. We are not positioned as followers of Christ at a higher standard. Our position is no longer in our sin. You see what this is saying is since we've been raised with Christ, we now take off the clothes of sin and death and put on the clothes of righteousness, of forgiveness, of humility, of patience, of peace, of love. We are not the same. Our position has changed. Who we are has changed. 
You see, people will recognize that you're a citizen of heaven by how you wear, by what you wear, and the attitude you display and the lifestyle that you live. You see, in high school, uh, whenever it was game day, whenever it was Friday, all the football players wore their jerseys. And everybody knew on Friday, because they saw the football players with their jersey, that they were football players and it was game day. And the same thing needs to be said about us. Can what people see in your life dictate whether you are just an earthly citizen, just like everybody else? Or are you actually different? You're set apart. You're called to do different things, to change the world for Jesus and a citizen of heaven by what you wear and the attitudes that you display. You see, that's what we're called to do. We don't wear the same things that the earth and people that don't know Jesus now. We are new creations. Our position affects everything. Our position in Christ now, our position in heaven now affects our purpose here on earth. Our position changes everything. When you understand that you are no longer tied down to the, to the world and, and to the culture, that you are different, you're set apart, you're, you're called to more, you're born for more. You are set apart to do things that you never can do in your own strength because of Jesus. It changes everything but I think so many times we can struggle with this as Christians even myself included I think we want to live different we want to live set apart we want to live as stranger things just passing through but with a higher calling but I think so many times what we get caught up in is that it's just easier to fit in it's just easier to just blend into the world it's easier to just blend into the culture because when we do that we're safe and we look like everybody else we're not a threat to anything when we look like everybody, when we talk like everybody, when we sound and do this and do this and have the mentality of everybody's, do, everybody's doing it, so I'm going to do it. Because if I don't do it, people are going to make fun of me. If I don't do it, people are going to laugh at me. Because if I don't do it, people are going to stay away from me because I'm different, because I'm a stranger to them. But Peter's warning us, this is what the life of Christ is like. You are a stranger thing to this world called to be different. Don't value conformity. I think so many times we value conformity. We value just being liked. And if being liked means I'm going to be like you, I'm going to just do it. And all of a sudden we miss out on all the God opportunities that he has for our life because he called us to be different. Yet we choose to put ourselves back in the box that Jesus died and that Jesus died and saved us to get out of. And that's what we have to be careful, church, that we can't fight with this, with this I'm different, but I just want to be like everybody else. And what we end up doing is watching life go by and looking at all the things we could have done knowing that we're set apart, but yet we choose to be like everybody else because it's easy, because it's safe. And I think another thing we struggle with as Christians when it comes to being different is that we think that being a stranger thing, we think that being different, we think that being a heavenly citizen means that we have to be perfect. And all of a sudden we get this expectation of like, okay, if I'm going to follow Jesus, I have to live like Jesus. I have to be perfect. I can't mess up. I can't do anything wrong. So we put this burden and our pressure on ourselves that Jesus never called us to have because his grace has covered us. And we put this on ourselves. And what we do is we're like, well, this, this whole Jesus thing, this whole Christianity thing, it's just too hard. I can't do this. You know what? I was better off in the world. I was better off living like my friends do. I was better off living in the culture and society has, or living like society is now. So I think it's because we, we fear being different because it's easier to be the same. And I think we fear being different because we have this expectation that we have to be perfect. But Peter, he, he's not saying that. Peter's saying, hey, you're different. And yes, you're going to make mistakes. Yes, you're human. But it doesn't change that you still have to follow after Jesus because, again, yes, you have him in your heart, but we are still living flesh and bone. We have weaknesses. We don't have all the strength, and we need Jesus. And it's okay to not have it all together. It's okay not to be perfect, but don't let that stop you from being authentic and real. Because God's not asking for perfect Christians because they don't exist. We just need more authentic Christians. And you see, if, if we're going to live a life, like Peter says, 
in verse 12 where he says we need to live an exemplary life among the natives, not here at church, among the natives out in the real world, it's going to take us realizing that we're different, that we're not like everybody else. And the first thing we need to know, the first thing I think Peter's trying to tell us is this, that our conduct on earth needs to reflect our citizenship in heaven. Our conduct here on earth needs to reflect our citizenship in heaven. In other words, what is it saying? For people to know Jesus, we have to show Jesus. Not talk about it, show it with our lives because we are wearing jerseys. We are wearing Jesus jerseys. We are now covered and clothed in righteousness. We have to show with, by our lives of who we follow and who we serve. You see, I think so many times Peter, he, he's like, hey, guys, guys, uh, don't, don't, don't worry so much about what you say. It's more about your actions. You see, I want, I want us to take us a little some context of who Peter's talking to because I think it applies to us as well. You see, he's talking to the early Christians in Turkey. The apostle Paul started the early churches in Turkey, and all of a sudden he gets, he gets thrown in jail, he gets persecuted, and now he can't pastor this church. So Peter now starts to oversee and encourage this church. And you got to understand that the early church in Turkey at the time, it wasn't made up of Jews who had actually, they already had a religious background. They were made out of, it was a, it was a pagan uh, congregation, meaning they, they, they didn't have any religious background. They were, just, they were just built on the traditions of whoever was ruling at that time, which was the Roman Empire. So they didn't even know anything about God. They didn't have any religious background. So Peter is encouraging this church who's like dealing with this craziness of, okay, Peter, we just made a decision to follow after Jesus. But our family, our friends, our coworkers are all getting mad at us. They're all, they all hate us because they don't understand why we left this pagan tradition to follow after this new God. And now they see us as traitors. They see us as traitors. And what doesn't make anything better is that at that time, the early Christians were actually rumored and they were, they were slandered by the craziest allegations. People thought that the church at that time, when they did communion, it was with the blood of infants. And they thought there were some wild orgies and they did this, all, this, all this weird stuff. And stuff that doesn't, even, that doesn't even make sense. But because when people don't understand something, they have to talk about it. That's just how it is. But that's what they're dealing with. The early Christians are like, okay, we just made a decision. The people closest to us hate us now. They think we're traitors. And now all this rumor about the church is even worse. What do we do, Peter? What is it that, we, what is, it that is going to help us get past this, these rumors and these allegations and help our family and friends and our coworkers that we're trying to reach? How do we do it? We have so much against us. What is it going to take? And what he does is, what Peter is really encouraging is, hey, it's, it's not, not going to be what you say. But it's going to be what you show with your lives. It's going to change everything anybody has ever said about the church. It's going to change what anybody has ever said about Jesus. And it's going to change anything what anybody ever said about you. It's not talking about it. It's showing it. You see, I think so many times we get caught up and we try to, we try to force people into Christianity. We try to force people to be Christians, our family, our friends, whoever. We're, we're passionate and that's great. But it's like you kind of have to have this. You have to gain this respect and credibility before you can have the trust to bring anybody to anywhere. And there's so many that we just skip it. It's like we fast pass that step. And it's like, hey, you, you heathen, please, you need to come to church. You're a terrible person. You need Jesus. And it's like, okay, guys, I'm pretty sure that's not going to be, that's not going to be it. That's not going to be it. I, I don't see that in the Bible. I don't think Jesus tells us to do that. This is not how it is. Yes, we are called to go evangelize. But there's got to be this, 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 this respect and, and, and credibility to it where it's like, hey, you know what? I see this guy's life. I see her life. And she tells me about church, she tells me about church all the time. And, and, and I never see her angry. I mean, she gets us up sometimes, but I never see her angry. And she's always, I work on time. And she's always saying hello. And she always has a smile. Man, you know what? Maybe the next time she asks me to the church, I'm going to go. I'm going to go. Because I don't see any fault in her. Not that she has no sin, but I don't see any fault. 
You see, we can't get people to, to, to believe what we believe by what we say. We have to get people to believe what we believe by how we behave. How do we behave in the workplace? How do we behave in the gym? How do we behave in around our family who may not know Jesus? How do we behave around our friends that don't know Jesus? All that is going to make the difference whether they come to church or not. Because if you're trying to be different, but you're still talking the same, then what, what value does your church have to me? What value does your Savior have to me? You talk just like me. You act just like me. I don't even believe in Jesus. And you do? Why would I go to your church? Why would I believe in Jesus? I'd rather just not believe in Jesus and still talk the way I talk. But it's our lives that is going to change everything. How you act with your life can either attract people to Jesus or detract them from Jesus. And I think of it like this. You know, the fair's coming up, and everybody loves the fair. I love it. It's great, the food and the calories and the money we spend. It's awesome. And, uh, but we always have that moment at the fair where we walk in, and we're pumped, and a couple hours go by, a couple rides, a couple, you know, we go to the bathroom, we got to throw up because all the rides, we don't trust them, we're scared. But then there's always that time in the fair where it's like that, that smell. You just, you're like, whoa, whoa, that smells pretty intriguing. Huh? That smells pretty good. I don't know what it is, but I want to get closer to it. And I'm going to keep following this. This smells delicious. What is it? What is it? And all of a sudden, you see the tent. And it says elephant ears, powdered, chocolate, caramel, all you want. You're like, yes, I, yes, I want this. I don't care if I've thrown up. I don't care if I have more rice or red. I need an elephant ear. You see, the smell attracted me to that. But then there's the opposite where, okay, have you ever talked to somebody where their breath is just awful and you're just like, I, I can't do this. I can't do this. It's like when they say hi, you're like, hi. It like hits you in the head how bad it is. And you're just like, hey, man, I love you, but growth track starts at 1 p.m. I got to see you real quick. And it's like, it makes you detract from that person. It makes you step away in our life. It's how we act. Dude, I, want, I want my life to attract people, not to me, but to, to me through me to Jesus. I want to be a reflection of Christ. Not that it's perfect, but at least I know who my Savior is. And I know that I'm called to be different. And I'm not, I do not want my life to be a roadblock from somebody to know Jesus. I refuse to live a life where I'm called to bring people to faith, to, to have people realize that they have a, a, a savior in Jesus, and I refuse for my life to be the very thing that stops them from ever coming to church or from ever having a relationship with Jesus. I refuse it. Does that mean we have to be perfect? No. But we have to have something where Jesus does change us, and we do want to get closer to him, and we do want to change our ways, and we have the conviction of the Holy Spirit to tell us what is right and what is wrong. But we cannot stay the same and we cannot put ourselves in a position where, yes, we want to evangelize. And, yes, we want people to come to church. And, yes, we want people to be saved. But we can't let our lives be the very thing that stops them from coming to church. I want to share this quote from uh, Brendan Manning. And it's something pretty, pretty powerful. And it, it kind of shocked me. And he says this, the greatest single cause of atheism in the world today is Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips, walk out the door, and deny him by their lifestyle. This is what an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. What's it going to be, church? Again, we know we don't have to be perfect. We know God's grace has saved us and has cleansed us and we have redos and his forgiveness. But Jesus didn't die for your freedom to sin. He died from the freedom from your sin. And we don't have any right to go back to the way we were. We are changed. We are brand new. We have a fresh start. And I refuse to be the same. We have to have this mindset that... Yes, we could talk about Jesus, but our life is the main thing that's going to be getting people to come. I don't want, our, I don't want this, this rumor. And there's always going to be rumors about the church and all that stuff, and I get it because the world is the world. But I, may, I, I am going to make a choice on my Monday, on my Tuesday, on my Wednesday, my week, that I'm going to be the same that I am on Sunday that I am on Wednesday. Is life perfect? No. 
Are things going to come? Yes. But I will not bow and I will not bend. I will be the same Christ-following person, Jesus freak. I don't care what you say about me. I don't care what you make fun of me. I know who saved me. I know what he saved me from. And I don't want to go back to the way that I came. I'm all about Jesus. I refuse. Another thing that Paul, I think, is trying to get across to us is this, that the, the setting that we're in doesn't change the standard that we live. The setting that we're in, whether it be at church, whether it be at our workplace, whether it be at home, whether it be at a restaurant, the park, wherever it may be, the setting doesn't change who I am. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't get influenced by the culture. I am an influencer of culture. I come into the place. And I change it because my God has given me authority to not bend to what the culture wants and to what the world wants. I am now in charge. I have authority from heaven as a citizen to change any environment that I'm in. Your setting doesn't change who you are. Yes, are we going to have temptation? Yes, is culture throwing things our way? And the culture is shifting. The things that were right are now wrong, and the things that are wrong are now right, and it's confusing. It doesn't make sense, and the culture is shifting. The question is, are you going to uh, give in to what culture has to say and what the world wants to throw your way? Are you just going to be influenced by it? Are you going to change who you are in Christ because of what culture says? Because it's going to be tempting. As soon as you leave here on Sunday, the world is going to throw everything in its way, and the devil is going to use it to, to take you off course, to change your identity, to remind you, hey, why try to, why, why follow after Jesus? Just come, come back, come back, come back. The culture is better. The world is better. Come on. All the, you know you want to go back to the, come back to the bar. Come on. You know you want to start smoking again. Come on. You worship. You don't need worship. Just come on. Let's, let's just go smoke. And the world and the culture, it's going to throw everything at you. And we have a choice as Christians to allow our settings to change us or we change our settings in front of us. What's it going to be? Peter is telling these guys, hey, hey, I know you just gave your life to Christ and I know you're going through some hardship. But everywhere you are, you have to be an example. Everywhere you are, you cannot change. Your setting isn't, isn't oh, it doesn't, have, it doesn't overpower you. And as I thought about this and I thought about, man, who is an example that we can look to of someone who is godly but working and living in an ungodly time in an ungodly environment? And the first person that popped in my head was Daniel. If we look at Daniel chapter 6, and this is such a great example of, of what we can all take from Daniel was was an amazing man of God. And he was living in a, a time where Babylon, the, the, Babylons had, the Babylonians had taken over his city. And King Darius, the Babylonian king, had, had, was ruling over everything. And he changed everything. There was, no, there was no God talk. There was no religious talk. It was all about the Babylonian way, their traditions. And Daniel, a God-fearing man, was able to step into an ungodly environment and change the course of his destiny and change his setting. He did not get influenced, but he was an influencer. And this is what I want to look at in chapter 6, and they'll have it on the screens here. It says, it pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 princes, which should be over the whole kingdom. And over these three presidents, of whom Daniel was first, as God-fearing people, as Christians, we need to be first at everything that we do. We serve a God who was first to give his life for us, and we need to be out there first sacrificing for other people, first to get to work, first to be the one to throw an encouragement, first to pray for somebody. We don't wait for nobody else. We set the culture. We set the setting. We are first because Jesus has given us that authority. We're first. We're not, we can't live in that. We cannot settle for an average lifestyle. Jesus has called us to live above reproach, to live an above average lifestyle. But I think so many times we settle for just being average because it's the easy way and 
this guy cheated on his test. I'm going to just do the same thing. Or, okay, you know what? He has an affair. I'm going to do that. Or all these crazy things that just get, they get, they get, um, it becomes easy to do because of everybody doing it. But we can't settle for just being average people on earth. We have to say, you know, I know my God. I know he's a God of excellence. I know he's a God of, of truth. And I, ref- and I refuse to let my identity change. I'm going to have that identity in everything that I do. Whether it's at work, in the gym, whether it's in your school place, in your classroom, you are first because Jesus has called you to be first. Don't be timid. Don't be ashamed. doesn't mean you have to glow and be about it, but you are first and you are the best at what you need to do. That's the attitude you need to have. Not because you're better than anybody. It's because you have God telling you that, hey, I called you to live an above average lifestyle. So Daniel was first over all three presidents that the princes might give accounts unto them and the kings should have no damage. So he was overseeing different departments of the kingdom. But everybody had to report to Daniel. Then this Daniel was preferred above the presidents and the princes because an excellent spirit was in him. Do we live with an excellent spirit inside of us? Can people tell that we do things with excellence or people tell that we just do things just to get by, just to do it, just to get it done with? But I want to be like Daniel. I want to do everything that I do with an excellent spirit. A spirit that says, I'm not just going to go the route the culture and the world does. I'm going to do things with excellence because that's what God has called me to do. And I think so many times we, 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 we try to make this practical to our own lives. And maybe you're at a job that you don't like. And you're probably asking and praying, God, God, please open up a, no, a new door for me. God, please take me out of this situation. I want, to, I want to work here. I want to do this. But are you backing up what you're praying for by how you're living? Are you praying for something, but you're not having an excellent spirit about it? I get it. I've been there. I know what it is to be in a job that you don't want to be at and you don't want to do it, but that doesn't give us a right to change who we are. Remember, the setting doesn't change us. And the setting didn't change Daniel. It was an ungodly environment. He was the only God-fearing man there. But he did everything with an excellent spirit no matter what. And then so many times we just try to excuse, okay, I hate this job. So I'm just going to come late. I'm going to talk to my boss. I don't want to talk to them. How do you expect God to move anything in your life if you have that attitude about anything? Because we could pray all we want, but if we don't back it up with our life, that God, God's going to give us an answer that's going to be no. You're going to have to reevaluate some things in your life to say, what do I need to do different for God to open opportunities for me in my life? I think it just starts with just having a mindset of not doing everything the easy way, but having an excellent spirit even in the smallest things. In the smallest details and not doing it because somebody's going to pat you on the back. I love this saying that champions are made when no one's looking. You can pick up chairs in front of Pastor Alex all you want, but that's not what it's about. It's about what happens when you leave this church. Do you have to, do you need the acknowledgement from somebody to do any hard work? Or do you do it because God has come into your life, he's, he's changed you, and you are now a follower of him, you're a reflector of Christ, not of culture, and he does everything with excellence. Now we are to do everything with excellence. Not because we're going to get a pat on the back and a good job, it's because Jesus has changed my life. And that's my motivation, that's my drive. And that's what Daniel was showing here, that he, had a, he was first, and he had an excellent spirit, an excellent spirit. And the king thought to set over the whole realm. Then the presidents and princes sought to find occasion against Daniel. Haters, man. Every time you try to do something for God, there's always haters. Concerning the kingdom. But they could find none occasion nor fault. For as much he was faithful. Neither was there any error or fault found in him. 
Then these men, then, then said these men, we shall not find any occasion against Daniel, except we find it against him concerning the law of his God. They couldn't find anything against Daniel. Not to say that Daniel was, was sinless. No, he was human and he did sin and he wasn't perfect. But he was a man of integrity. He was a man that did things right, even though nobody was, he didn't do it for them. He didn't do it for the king. This was God saying, hey, Daniel, because you have an excellent spirit and because you're a man of integrity and you do things in whatever setting that you're in with excellence, I'm going to lift you up to a higher position to rule over this kingdom. Because our excellent spirit can open doors that we ourselves can't open, but God is going to be willing to open it because we're honoring him with our lives. And whenever we honor God, he will honor us. It's the, it's, that's what the Bible is telling us. Is it going to happen in our time that we want it? Sometimes no. But in this time, he will honor you. And he will give you the things that desire of your heart. But we have to make sure that we're not just praying to a genie, hoping for something now, now, now. But we're not going into the world and doing it with our excellent spirit. We have to change our mindset of who we are and what we're going to be when we leave this church and when we're around our friends and we're around our families. And then last, Daniel's a great example, but I think the greatest example, obviously, is Jesus. It's Jesus. And I want to look at Mark 7, 37. It says this, and this is this was people talking about Jesus. They said people were overwhelmed with amazement. He has done everything well. They said he even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. I don't know about you, but I got... I have that, that, that drive in me, and no, no it's, it's going to be hard sometimes, but I want to follow the same lifestyle that my Savior lived. Scripture says that he did everything well, everything, not some things, not a little bit of things, not when he felt like he did everything well. He gave an example of how we're supposed to be on other people. Jesus, yes, he was God in human form. He was perfect. But he still had temptation every step of the way. He still faced the same things we faced. But he chose to say, hey, none of those things are important to me. Yes, it may be difficult. Temptation is hard. But I'm going to choose to do everything that I do with my life well. Everything well. Not, 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 not half and half. But everything well. And I want to just share one more. I don't, I don't know if I put this up there. Actually, I have it right here. It's Matthew 5.16. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Notice our good deeds, our excellent spirit, our godly lifestyle, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't give us praise. But because of us, people see and they glorify the Father in heaven. We're just a reflection pointing up to Jesus. It's not about us. I'm not perfect. I don't have it all together. But it's because Jesus saved me and he changed me. And this is why I live life like this. And you have to meet Jesus. You have to, I, you have to come to my church. But if our lifestyle doesn't align with what we're talking about, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. But I want to live a life where people don't just see me and give me a pat on the back. Phil, you're awesome. Like, yeah, that feels nice every once in a while. I'm not going to lie to you. It does. We're human and we, we, li- we crave affection like that. But I want to live a life where people are like, man, I, I, I used to know who you who you lived like, what, what you looked like in high school and before you were saved. And now you're on platform and you're preaching and you're, you actually know what the Bible is about and this is crazy. What happened? It's Jesus. It's Jesus. It's not me. It's Jesus. It's not about us, church. Yes, we live different and we live opposite of society to get attention of what God has done in our lives. 
but it's always and only will be about pointing it always to Jesus. That when people would look at us, but they would notice that the difference in our lives is Jesus. That in our own strength, we can never change. In our own strength, we can never do the things that we can imagine. But as soon as Jesus steps into our life, changes everything. Our position changes. Our home changes. I'm so thankful that I can live a life knowing that yes, I'll be here, I'll, I'll be in earth and I enjoy the things, but there's gonna be a time where Jesus is gonna call me. But I know where my eternity lies. And it's gonna go from earth to seeing Jesus face to face. And when I get up there, I wanna hear those words. Well done, my good and faithful servant. I don't wanna hear, you almost had it, man. Because I would stink. But it's how we live on earth that will dictate what we hear. We're in, we're, we're here today and gone tomorrow. Don't, don't, don't mismanage your time and try to figure it out. Just, you were called by God. You were born for more than what you think your life is all about. You can't do it on your own. Jesus has called you. He has changed you. He's ready to help you, but you got to live different. You got to get out of that cycle of doing the same things over and over. Because God's not going to force his way into your life. He's not going to force you to change it to him. He's going to say, hey, this is my gift. It's salvation. It's grace. You take it. Okay, great. You accepted it. But now you got to change. What are we going to do, church? Are we just going to be satisfied with just, with just coming on Sundays and hearing the word? And that's awesome. We are to be fed and we are supposed to meet as a congregation. But I want to do more work than I do in this building outside into the world. Because that's real life. I love to worship and it feels great and it feels awesome and I can praise Jesus' name around believers. But can you praise his name? Can you act out his lifestyle when you're around nobody that believes? Is it hard? It's extremely. Extremely hard. It was a struggle for me when I got back from college. People knew I was a Christian, but they would see me at these bars and they would see me at these parties. I was like, yeah, I know he's a Christian, but I, mean, I see him here all the time. And my life was just going through this cycle. And I knew God had called me to something more. But I was just settling for my setting. I was just settling for just being the same old, same old. And so one day it just, it just snapped. And I turned 25. I, turned, I started getting older. And I was just like, man, I don't, I, don't, I don't want this to be said of my life. I want to be like Daniel. I want people to tell me, hey, this guy, this guy was awesome. He did things with excellence. He was he was first, he was, he was here on church at 745. He was, he was in the front row leading with worship, reading with passion. That's not because of me and my glory. It's just because I just love Jesus too much to just settle for a normal life. And I don't believe this is a normal church. I believe that everybody in this room has a huge calling over their life, whether you believe it or not, whether you're here for the first time or not. Jesus has brought you here for a reason. He's telling you, hey, it's time to get out of that cycle. It's time, to, it's, time to, it's time to get into this, this life that I have for you that will blow your mind. But it starts by having a relationship with me. It starts by accepting me into your heart. So if we can, church, if we could just bow our heads and close our eyes. And just for a moment of privacy, and I believe God is here and he's moving. The Holy Spirit is maybe convicting some people. Maybe the Holy Spirit is, is, is knocking on some hearts right now. You're saying, Phil, this is awesome. And I, and I want to live different. I want to be set apart. I want, to do, I want to do the things that Daniel has done. I want to rule over people. I want to, I want to have an influence in life. I want to change the world. 
Well, my friend, it starts by inviting Jesus into your heart and, is, and, and accepting him as your Lord and Savior. Accepting him as your, your one true king. Jesus, he, he was on the right hand of the throne with his father, God, and he came down to earth to live a lifestyle of, to, to, to have the same temptations that we had, the same trials as we did. He didn't have to. He could have just stayed in heaven comfortable. But he saw that the path his people were taking and sin had us captured. And he came down and said, you know what? I, I cannot let my people die like this and I can't see them suffer because I love them too much. So he came down and he died on the cross. He sacrificed himself. He was perfect. He was blameless. There was no fault in him. He was a perfect human. But he chose to say, I'm going to sacrifice for these people, my people, because I love them. And maybe you're thinking, well, Phil, Jesus, that's awesome, but he doesn't know me like, he's like, like I know myself. He doesn't know my mistakes. He doesn't know my mess-ups. He, he doesn't know the things that I've done in my past. Yes, he does, and he still died on the cross for you. If you're here today and you want to accept Jesus, you want to accept that invitation, today is your day. Today is the day of salvation. I just want to open that opportunity for anybody here. On the count of three, if that's you, you want to make that decision. I just want you to raise your hand. I just want to see who I'm praying for. And I'm not going to ask you to do anything awkward. I just want you to raise your hand, and you can put it back down if you like. On the count of three, if you want to accept Jesus in your life, and you want his grace to enter into your life, you want your sins forgiven and your life to get refreshed right here, right now, then you raise your hand. One, two, three. Amen, 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 amen. I see you, man. Amen. I see you, brother. Anybody say amen? I see you back there. Amazing. Anybody else? Amazing. Hey, for all you who raised your hand, you just made the best decision of your entire life, and your life will never be the same. And what I want to do is just have the honor and privilege to just lead you in this prayer. And it's not a prayer to me. It's not a prayer to this church, or it's not a prayer that you become a member of this church. It's just a prayer between you and Jesus. It's you talking to your heavenly Father, and he's listening to you, and he cares about you, and this is going to be just between you and him. And it's a repeat after me prayer in church. Let's join in as well, and it goes like this. Lord Jesus, I open my heart. I invite you inside to be my friend, to be my Savior, to be my God. Forgive me of my sin. Wash me clean. From this day forward, I want to follow you all the days of my life. Lord, I love you, and I thank you. And everybody said, come on, church, can we give everybody who raised their hand a round of applause? We hope today's message has encouraged you. Don't forget to subscribe to our channel or visit us at calvaryconnect.com for more information. Till next time.